You're right, Adric. I thought Antu's had more to it hidden away, but it really doesn't have anything going on inside. Kind of like me. Man, I was messing with you earlier. You've actually got a lot to offer. Really? Man, Antu's is a dumb podcast made of fake stuff, like cartoons. You're a dumb not podcast made of like a million guts. That's a pretty okay number of guts. And you want to know something else? What? Man, I love our theme so much. <laughs> it is very good. It's very good. We got so lucky knowing a professional yeah. musician and a professional artist to make us seem like not just two chumps talking about fake stuff yeah, like cartoons. Who, who just talk about dumb shit constantly. <laughs> so, And then anyway, I scribble Adric. over it to make sure they know that we are dumb. Yeah. Oh, hi, I'm Adric. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Will. And this is On Two's Podcast, Not where them. we talk about cartoons. And this week, we watched OKKO. OK Let's Be Heroes. Let's be heroes. Uh, this is continuing on our uh, February Black History Month thing, where we're just finding things that have black creators. And this is one of my favorite people, who is a creator. Really? I, I'm not familiar with their other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> No, it just does so much. Um, you're not familiar with the Venture Bros or Supernormal or Adventure Time? Oh, all right. Or Steven Universe? <laughs> I knew or Bravest I knew Warriors. That he had worked on Steven Universe. I didn't know Bravest Warriors. Yeah. Um uh so Wait, we're talking hold up. about All right. Where are these on his credit sheet um, here? Specifically does voice work for um uh, for Bravest Warriors, but was the inking art director and animation director on Venture Bros from 2006 to 2010. Um, on Adventure Time was a storyboard supervisor and revisionist. Uh, Steven Universe, oh, Secret Mount Fort Awesome as well, was a writer and storyboard artist. Steven Universe was the co-executive producer, supervising director, storyline writer, and storyboard artist um, at different points in time throughout that history. And then Isn't was, he married to like the creator too? I think so, yeah. Rebecca Sugar. Yeah. Um Yeah. And then oh, and of course we were talking about Ian Jones Cordy. Uh yes. and then was the co-executive producer for Steven Universe, the movie, and did various voices on Steven Universe. And um played Steven Snowflake Universe and is like one of those Steven Universe feature. Big cartoons that I have just watched none of. I've watched a, a decent amount of it. I really like it. I think it's a delight. Uh, yeah, it, it seems like one of those things where it's got a rabid fan base. Yeah. But is actually just good. Exactly. Exactly. The fan base is um a little bit too online for my taste. But, mm. you know, I participated in Homestuck in 2013. So I yeah, so you talk have to anybody. No, no means by which to. Yeah. yeah. Glass houses, etc. Mm -hmm. Except in my case, none, it's like none not of a us house. Are clean. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Ian Jones Party is amazing and has participated in some of the like, you know, this this collection of cartoons that I just listed out is basically responsible for you know, um, 
a the lot like of the... modern era of quasi children's cartoons. Yeah, exactly. Of like children's like cartoons, cartoons that... for teens. Yes, I uh, guess. But is where I would put it because this isn't like baby shit. No, like, this isn't for. It's like SpongeBob. You know, kids. Yeah, it's all like, right. Yeah, it's like SpongeBob, where it's like, but I think oftentimes a, a little bit better. Where it's like, you know, this is clearly for children, um, especially what we just watched. Okay, okay, let's be heroes. Um, mm -hmm. But um, it's like, you know, it doesn't suck to watch as an adult. There's like fun moments. No. And the jokes are pretty good and it's, the characters yeah, are all lovely. Like, there are a few things in here that I just like wrote down because it was just good jokes. Yeah. No, the these these folks, this collection of folks that I imagine there is quite a bit of like swapping between for... um this group of cartoons is just there is a tremendous amount of quality <laughs> in everything that's that's being written here and consistency and like yeah um the other thing that i noticed from from all these works that i feel like is worth ca calling out is like there's just a tremendous amount of restraint like each thing is not um like each idea is not pushed like past its its staying point i feel like is a, is a good way of putting it they just like sort of play in a space for a while and then are very comfortable moving on um and yeah when i say they in this context although it's mostly this the writers yeah i mean the writers but that's hardly even their choice because you know you could just bastardize this thing you could take people who True. had never written a single good thing in their <laughs> life and just throw them on to season five of it and just be like all right well yeah whatever but it doesn't seem as though cartoon network is doing that right no i agree oh well that's cool rebecca sugar's non-binary i didn't know that all right that's awesome represent um um yeah let's so i like that we were sort of following along this this trend of like um you know with the exception of boondocks of course highlighting and i don't know boondocks is still being the main output of uh of that creator makes it a little bit different in comparison to some of the other things but yeah that this is sort of a lesser known compared to steven universe and uh, his work on adventure time and and other things compared and the to venture that. brothers and the venture Jeez. brothers yeah. yeah um and it being yeah a lesser a lesser known um piece of his work and certainly one that we probably wouldn't have watched otherwise no, I, yeah, I definitely wouldn't have watched this otherwise, but it's good. It's so cute. Like, it's real good. It's really, yeah. it's just so cute. It's really wholesome, like, through and through. It It's, it kind of, like, wears its inspirations on its sleeve, yeah. which I like. It, it is, it feels like such a, a, a love letter to, like, um, the, the, like, basically Goku <laughs> from early Dragon Ball. Yeah. But like, oh yeah, this kid, much this kid is one hundred percent Goku. Yes, three thousand percent. And um, mm -hmm. no, and and Ian specifically like references his love for Akira Toriyama's work, um, pretty often in interviews and 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 talks about. Well, like Rad is pretty obviously based on Piccolo. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. Uh, Enid is just a Naruto ninja. Correct. Is is yeah. like Android thirteen slash Naruto Ninja. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's... the uh, the like log substitution stuff was super fun. It's mm -hmm. like all those 
those little bits where they just like um commit in small ways to the jokes rather than making the characters feel like fully one-to-one replacements um right like the antenna on on rad and yeah but still having hair Uh uh-huh like i've i've watched a few more episodes then oh nice so yeah, we, we decided six. to do six episodes uh because they're 11 minutes 11 minutes long which i've but, decided is my favorite length of a cartoon it's yeah it's fucking perfect it's really good and fast what what was remarkable to me was how fast the credits were <laughs> yeah. they well, they hardly get like one like one line in their song before it's just like all right we're done <laughs> both the intro and outro song are like 18 are seconds like, long and it's kind of great it's like all right <laughs> <laughs> i'm a fan i also <clears throat> yeah i did like the one um the outro song where they're kind of like explaining how uh-huh motion pictures work <laughs> um the rebecca song or the uh excuse me the uh the outro songs are by Re- rebecca sugar also oh that track yeah um we should probably talk a little bit about what the we've talked about the influences and some other things probably talk about what actually happens in the show and what the the things okay. are centered on so um as is typical of these shows uh well and as is stated in uh the book save the cat you get one magical element and in this show it is uh everyone being okay with child labor (laughs) i'm so glad you brought it up so i didn't have to (laughs) there is a an immediate pervasiveness to the fact that this takes place under capitalism (laughs) yes To the fact that they're just like, no, you can work here, six to eleven year old kid. And when we're talking about work here, so yeah, the the main character is uh, Ko. I mean, everybody's okay with Ko being um a child laborer, uh, working at a convenience mm-hmm. store called Gars, um, that takes place in this like specifically they call plaza. it a bodega. It's a bodega. It's not a yeah. I which disagree I with like it being that. a bodega. No, it's yeah, it really isn't. Because it does not have a cat. You can't be mm. a bodega without a cat. Sorry. I think you also need, like, a counter, like, yeah. counter service food. Yeah, I agree. And it's also in a strip mall, which, like, some, it biases me against it being a bodega. Not that bodegas yeah. have to be on a corner, but they do have to be on a regular street, I think. Someone has to live above them. That's a fact. Which we don't yeah. actually... It's kind of implied that Gar lives below. Oh, I. Because his office is like basically well, a back cave. His office is down there, and it's huge. Yeah, but I don't know that they imply that he lives down there. Oh, no, yeah, just uh, wishful thinking. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. So, the the first, um, the first episode opens with Ko and his mom Carol. Um, I believe her mom is his mom is named Carol. Um, uh, uh, she takes she is like looking in the, the first six cast. episodes relatively low uh, participation in the events of the show because um, she teaches a like 
um, martial arts slash yoga class uh, in the same yeah. strip mall in the plaza. It's like, it's not as, I guess plazas are kind of strip malls. I'm thinking about like. It kind of reminds me of like, you know, those, those classes that like bougie white ladies do where it's like, oh, we're going to do the pole dancing class. Yeah. But it's, it's like. Like pole dancing self-defense. Just, just supposed to be for, uh, for, for working out. Yeah. I respect it. It reminds me of the, the equivalent of that, but for self-defense. It's Tybo. Oh, yeah, like, it's Tybo. This is a Tybo class. It is canon now. I'm sure they go into more detail later in the seasons, and I'm sorry that I've overwritten your canon, but it is Tybo now. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, she's played by um, Kate Flannery, who is oh, yeah. Meredith in The Office. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are all some the voice fairly actors big in names great. in here. I love yeah. them all. Yeah. Um, and uh, she, to basically get KO out of, the, the whole premise of the show is set up that she wants to get KO out of her hair because all of her um, mm -hmm. friends slash students at the, the Taibo class um, think that he's too cute and is stealing all of the thunder and keeping them from paying attention to their class. And so right. she gives him a credit card and says, uh, and smashes a board and says, please go get me some more boards and a little treat for yourself. And that kicks off the entire show. <laughs> pretty much. Which I think is a, a pretty good way to like get the setup of your show out of the way and just be like, okay, we're, we're doing this thing now. You don't really care. We don't really care. We're going to. Yeah. No one, goofy. no one cares what the setup is. You just need to get all the pieces in place. Except for the fact that it does remind us that, and regardless of how magical and fun this world is, it still does play, take place under capitalism. Right. Yes, he still does ruin his mom's credit. Man. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, and then. Uh, so yeah, he goes to the st he goes to the store. Gars. He finds a whole bunch of like superhero shit. Uh, puts it all on, robot attacks. He immediately just gets absolutely dunked on. Completely obliterated. Yeah, and then uh, tries to get a job there so <laughs> that he can get stronger. Yeah, so Gar, um, they, they introduce this framing of power level that's like a, a very loose, um, like, but kind of fun, like, characterization thing where... Um, yeah, because every they have superhero cards gets too. cards. Yeah, there's like yeah. a card vending machine that they show later that keeps track of your power level and prints it out on a card. And Gar, the owner of the bodega, has one of the higher power levels that we've seen in the universe, which is 11. Um, mm -hmm. And then the two um, folks who work at the convenience store, um, that's uh, Enid and Rad, are both, um, uh, they both start out kind of seeming like um you know your your traditional disinterested convenience store employees um but they are ostensibly training under gar to become more powerful to be yeah heroes Hero okay movies. uh so rad is ian jones cordy yeah doing the voice uh enid is ashley birch doing the voice yep. she was also sasha on the dub of attack on titan 
and she plays Alloy in Hero- uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, I didn't know that she was the voice of Ally. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, and then Gar is David Herman, who was Michael Bolton <laughs> in Office Space. And I didn't know that. does like a bunch of voices in Futurama. Wow. Yeah. Oh, he's out. also in he's in Disenchantment. Oh, that makes uh, sense too. Plays a whole bunch. Yeah, I mean, it tracks with him having done voices in Futurama. Yeah. Do you hear that Futurama is getting another reboot? Apparently, I heard that it's getting another reboot, and they also have not got. They haven't locked down John DiMaggio. Yeah. Well, they. I thought they were and specifically replacing him. I don't know. John DiMaggio has been tweet like. I don't know that. He hasn't been tweeting very directly about it, but he's been retweeting a lot of people that are pissed off that he's not in the show. I So I followed this a little bit, and he retweeted a bunch of people who were pissed that he was not in the show, and and like a couple of like, um, like tongue-in-cheek things. But he also said, like, hey, don't, don't worry about it, guys. This is just fun. But it's fine. Like, whatever happens, happens, yeah. basically. It... It feels really weird that they wouldn't get him when he's one of the primary characters in oh, Disenchantment, no. and that's like just still going on. I'm talking out of my ass. I'm I'm uh, now seeing new information. Not to not to let this you know random voice actor drama bowl over our story. Um, but no, it let's sounds... fucking bullet right over. We gotta have Everyone a good mix cares of about what Bender. we're talking about. Everybody cares about Bender. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it sounds like there is just like some concern about him not being able to reach an actual deal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like it was the the whole thing, which is really weird because he just did season three of Disenchantment. Uh, okay, once it, which is a Netflix show, yeah. but which they've got a billion fucking dollars. Um. One right. source suggests that the favored nations process fell apart with West and Seagal taking the offer without consulting uh, DiMaggio. Another source refutes that notion. DiMaggio had a, a counteroffer with more competitive quotes, but some sources suggest that conversations with the studio ended in November and have not progressed since. So it sounds hmm. like, uh, you know, and that makes sense. You have like a bunch of voice actors who usually work together, especially on a reboot for a show. And so most yeah, of you so would wait to like, sign together yeah, until, yeah. But I wonder if it's like West and um, uh, Seagal were just like, oh yeah, we'll just do if, it. I don't if really they care. just were operating under the assumption that, of course, they're gonna get John, why wouldn't they? Right. I, I have no idea how the process works. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um. But anyway, oh, that's, that's anyway, that I, I also forgot to uh, Courtney Taylor. Mm-hmm. who is the voice of KO. Um, oh, most of her other credits are stuff like American Dad and Family Guy, just like ancillary characters in there. Yeah. Uh, additional voices for Castlevania. Ooh, she's <laughs> she plays a bunch of the bugs in Bug Snacks. <laughs> <laughs> Get that Sony money. <laughs> let's go hell it's, yeah Courtney I, 
I've heard it. It's a good game, but it just seems it's just like, simply called Bug Snacks. <laughs> yeah. It, well, and the concept behind it is just hilarious. I've never it's learned like, it. I've never learned anything more than Bug Snacks, and that's fine. Oh, all Don't right. tell it's, me anything. It's, no, shut up. All right. I'm muting you. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'm doing the podcast by myself now. I'm going back to talking about this show that we like. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've, I've unmuted you. Okay, good. So Bug Snacks is about and bugs, and he's gone. They're also That's cool. snacks. Um, so uh, like we said, we watched the first six episodes. Can you behave yourself? Yeah. Okay. I might have to mention snacks. That's fine. But I don't think that there are bugs. That's in fine. This first six episodes at. So we can keep them separated <laughs> by at least three words from one another. That's good. I can live with that. Um, there are snacks because one of the things that he buys uh, immediately. So he goes and, and runs into the store and starts buying shit that he thinks will make him a hero, which is kind of it. it the message actually ends up being a little anti-capitalist. I can live with that. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Not not terribly, but. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. My bar is low. Um. And one of the things he does get is a snack, and it's lightning nachos, and I thought that was fun. Okay, so we can jump into episode two, because episode two has some, like, actual anti-capitalist vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, yeah, they get into um, their primary villain, which is (laughs) Mr. Boxman. Mr. Boxman, who's a um, analogous to nobody in our world. Not one Boxman. Not a single who, person. Who in this um, world would you associate with boxes? Nobody. No. Not a one. Um. Anyway, any, Mr. Beza. Uh, also, I mean, Mr. he's Boxman. voiced by Jim Cummings, and it's so good. <laughs> yeah, he does a great job. There's that line like, that was Jim almost Cummings our intro. Jim Cummings is such a good villain. He's so good. He, he's one of those weird ones where, despite the fact that he has a lot of vocal range, and like there's a lot of very different voices he's doing you can still hear winnie the pooh in oh, this. a little bit always like it's in there there's always a little bit so of you can just nose. always recognize him <laughs> yeah <laughs> did you know that um uh in his early life uh he um played drums in a regionally successful rock band huh <laughs> it's your fun Cummings back yeah good for jim <laughs> good for jim um but uh yeah tell me about this villain okay so uh they got a villain lives across the street he makes he make robot uh robot go try smash bodega and then they smash the robots yeah all the robots are named daryl or no not all of them there's a a model of robot like um that is yeah he has like multiple models of robots and they're all named daryl uh, does Daryl fail? Daryl fa- fails him in Daryl fails episode and he or the second fucking episode? Melts him in a furnace. He melts him in a he he takes the severed head of his robot son, um, who refers who is to him expressly both- talking of yeah <laughs> talking to him like he's his dad and they have a good relationship. And uh, he says um uh, something like is is this furnace supposed to teach me a lesson about how to be better or something and he's like no it's to teach you how to not disappoint me and throws the head in the furnace and he's like i deserve this i deserve this 
<laughs> but God. it's uh, implied that they all share a consciousness because the next iteration of Daryl walks up and is like, yep, I deserve that. Anyway, boss. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, so then we get like, I don't know if this is supposed to be a new model of robot, but the Shannon. Yeah. So I, I guess three... it's not new. It's new to us. So they give her an intro. Yeah. There's three models of robot. I don't remember the second one, though. The one that's like an office worker. Oh, yeah. But well, those are implied to have free will later. of some sort. Oh, yeah. Um, but anyway, Shannon is the teen bot. <laughs> She's just like um, kind of flippant. Yep. The um, her putting on lipstick was one of my <laughs> I, I wrote it down because good God, <laughs> really that's good. funny. Yeah, just, just like clearly not a human all over her face. Yes. <laughs> um, there are a lot of little bits like that that like I, I just absolutely loved. Uh huh. Where it's these throwaway gags. I, I think that's where it really shines. Yeah, I agree. Because, like, the storylines are fine. You know, they're okay. They're just, like, um, you know. They're simplistic. Uh, they get deeper later. Yeah. Um, I, like I wound up just, like, up. jumping to season three. Uh-huh. Um, mostly because they have a Sonic the Hedgehog episode. <laughs> what? And That's I was awesome. like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is all right. <laughs> but... Yeah, I, I kind of let it play from there, and they actually do some character development. Nice. That's yeah. good. I mean, I, it was not super critical to me, but it's always better. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did some character development with, like, Enid uh, and Rad early on in this, too. Oh, yeah. That said, I don't think that it's... Um, I think it's episodic enough that you could... Obviously, it's designed in such a way that some kid could watch any episode and just be like, oh, all right, there's the premise. Yeah, that's kind of important, too, just to have. Um, yeah, like you said, this this feels very much like a Saturday morning cartoon where some yeah, weeks you're home mad. and some weeks you yeah. aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, so the, the whole second episode, that's the one about helping people, right? Uh no, free? the second episode is the one where he tries to sneak into Mr. Boxman's oh uh, yeah factory, and yeah, and Mr. Boxman tries so yeah he like he like catfishes like he not not in a like uh, romantic interest sense but catfishes in a you can be a hero sense um mm-hmm. to get him to to run into the factory. And um, then tries to convince him that um, he's a, a burden to his friends because he's, you know, not strong enough. And uh, his friends are like, uh, show up and are like, no, that's stupid. You're just our friend. And it's very cute. Yeah. And I like it. Like, you don't you don't need to be anything super special. Just be our friend. Yeah. Just you don't have to prove your worth. kind of a good thing. It's a great thing. Also, I love there's. It. God, is this the episode where he explains like friendship is bad because it make line go down? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. He's like, look at these graphs. You don't understand what happens when there's friendship. The graphs go down. Yeah. People don't want to buy evil robots when there's fr- <laughs> when people have friends. It's true. 
It is true. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I loved it. I I hope the the like critique of the box man continues on. Please don't try to re- rehabilitate box man. Right. Just let him be a let, shithead. Let him be a shithead. Oh, what's that line? He um when he like uh he does a lot of like hiding behind um the blinds and being like oh yeah time to no, look on he, creepily he has his yeah he has his uh desk fly over to the side of the room <laughs> and blinds drop down in front of him <laughs> and so says good. now to watch from the shadows like a total creep <laughs> oh i'm such a fan um and then episode three is all about helping people which i also thought was yep. very cute yeah i mean as far as like the moral of the episode for most of these goes, it's good. Yeah, it's just like, like these are fine things that sh- kids should be learning. I agree, and this is a nice way to do it, where it's like, um, I don't know, through, uh, through the lens of like truly a child who just like wears his heart on his sleeve and is rewarded for kindness and for you know always, um, can like pushing forward without being. Um, you know upset or like gets upset when like there are bad outcomes but looks at what caused those bad outcomes and um you know tries to to take a lesson from it and well and kind of seems to get upset whenever there's anything morally gray mm-hmm. like it, it really likes it to just be bad guy good guy stuff yeah there's like um some like i think you know, we, I don't know if we've talked about like, uh, quote unquote coded characters, um, in this, but it's something that Riley and I talk about a lot is, um, uh, like neurodivergence and ascribing different behaviors to characters that like, um, are feel coded as, uh, specific aspects of neurodivergence. And this feels sure. to me like, um, very positive uh autistic coding in a in a main character like where um i don't know like the like you said his his reactions to things not being um clearly black and white and like um uh the like not um completely understanding the like uh, emotional place that people are coming from and uh, mm-hmm. some of that like learned expectation of um being a burden and i just i really like the way that that characterization sort of um, holds itself throughout and is like treated with um you know complete respect throughout the the whole thing and like i don't know i i really like that none of the characters have the same like look at the world the same way and all have their are like clearly have their own perspective about how they're processing the um i don't know strangeness of the the space that the the writers yeah, have put these characters just like to play what's in. going on yeah and what their priorities are etc um but yeah just like everybody's everybody's treated with with such respect in this show i really love it mm-hmm. well and yeah even the bullies in this episode it's just like oh well yeah they're bullying people because they're taking out their frustration on other people so 
let's treat them nicely and then they'll be nice back. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's, that's a good moral. It's a good moral. And what I also really like about it is that it doesn't completely work, you know? No. It, it does. It It's not like, it doesn't treat it as so simplistically as if you um, are nice to people, they will always be nice to you. Or if you like fix the problems, the personal problems or like the things that are upsetting people, that doesn't mean that their whole personality is going to change. Um, yeah, like your your results aren't going to be perfect, but they'll probably be better. Yeah. And I imagine, you know, this is the first six episodes and this is the first episode where like the bully characters are introduced and then they recur a couple times. Um, mm -hmm. And I imagine that there's going to be like, you know, more longer term growth for those characters as well. Where uh, later, later on uh, in some of the episodes that I watched, they uh, queer code Enid uh, as like Enid and the primary bully oh, in this yeah so kind of like our love interests with one another um they uh introduce it in the in that third episode um because when Keo goes up and is like talking about uh about her i should really know her name um she's a very minor character in these first episodes and is like yeah. talking about her and she's like oh like yeah read, no she's read um, something mean but super cool and has and is like and then the reason why ko knows what her problems are is because enid um follows all of them on social media and uh heard her talking about Which, how upset she got about a bad haircut the social media thing is a big part of this show yeah and i think that that's just them playing into kids these days exactly you know what with their what with their cell phones and their fucking TikToks? Well, I mean, if you think about it as a a, a children's show that needs to approach um, kids where they're at, if they did not include how kids participate in social media or could potentially participate in social media from mm -hmm. that equation, you would be missing out on a lot of the like context that kids experience. And yeah, they do some. I still have some. Well, if you give me a sec, though, yeah, I, yeah. I have some more boomer shit to say about kids and social media <laughs> and how, um, you know, it's it's Taking bad the task, because well. it's, it's melting their little brains uh -huh. and they uh, get they're going to get all all sexualized and it's you bad go. times for children. Uh, the Trump 2024. Well, counterpoint, Will. Um, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> um but actual actual counterpoint they do only show as far as the first six episodes they do only show the um uh the teens participating actively in social media but it's the yeah and and ko and the other kids are like aware of it as a concept which i think is a nice balance to strike not normalizing it for use by little kids but admitting that it is part of the um, the social landscape yeah exactly <laughs> of of just like reality yeah um, uh anyway episode four um, um this one is like fine the, <laughs> the, the one with the weird sexy <laughs> picture yeah. of ko's mom there is like it is kind of um not the kind of thing that a, a kid's show would normally explore like your parent having a either former and then i think from um, what i'm understanding later a like rekindled relationship uh with like another 
um, another person who's who's not your dad. That's kind of interesting. Or not your like um, yeah biological parent, I should say. It is weird. Like in those later episodes I was watching, they do introduce his dad. Oh, interesting. Which is yeah, it was interesting, and it's interestingly done. Yeah, too. Cool. Yeah, so I don't know. But I, like, I like it when any cartoon takes the opportunity to explore the potential reality that a child that a child might have. Oh yeah. Well, and they don't even frame it as like a relationship in uh any adult way. It's just like, yeah, they used to be friends. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, they don't they don't overdo whatever. They were on a super team together. Yeah, they don't they don't overdo any of that stuff. Like right. um uh Gar you know, this very powerful burly man who has the highest power level of the area just gets flustered around Carol. Um and right. like you know. Well, and they frame to... it as that as they used to be friends and they used to be on this super team together yeah like they don't there's a way that you can read it as a kid where it's just like they're just friends right or they were friends and now it's awkward yeah they were closer and that's mm-hmm. all that that you know needs to to be explained from the perspective of a of a kid and right now I, I, I thought that was great it's just a nice way to handle and it's also it also like puts in context, you know, those kinds of relationships that you end up having as an adult where, you know, we were close once, but now we aren't. Um, and so there's some awkwardness and some weirdness, but like the, the two of them are like doing their best to handle it as adults and not be weird about it. It's just nice writing. Yeah. Um, so they smash the paint. They <laughs> smash the picture accidentally. They smash this picture of KO's mom. An accident. <laughs> um, specifically, Rad blasts it with a laser. Yeah. And uh, his, he has his fingers labeled as far as what they do, and they are <laughs> laser, freeze, marriage, and boogers. It's <laughs> so funny. I had to, I had to pause it to write that down. Good job. Like, I forgot. This is good. It's good. Um. Yeah. I. I, man, that's funny because like I started off talking about this episode and I was like, man, not a lot happened in this one. I thought it was okay, but not great. Um, but yeah, there was there was a lot more than I initially gave it credit for. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they try to go get a replacement for the picture, uh, which gets to <laughs> gets to KO putting on his mom's old costume uh-huh. and trying to take a picture <laughs> and mostly Carol just finds it hilarious. Uh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh and yeah, they they try to try to go back and replace it um before Gar realizes that they've broken into his office and they fail. Um and he's like very upset and then Carol shows up and is like, "Oh, I have another copy i found here you go and he's like oh thank you yeah (laughs) they do a lot with uh gar's facial expressions in those moments it's Uh pretty good which i I guess we can just like talk about the animation it's very simplistic but it's also 
when they need it to be, yeah, then they can go into detail. Exactly. Yeah. It has that like quasi uh rubber hose thing mm-hmm. going. Um but then going into detail when they actually need like hands are typically just little circles. Just balls. <laughs> yeah. Just a circle. But then when they need fingers, the fingers just show up. And they say marriage, freeze, boogers, and uh, laser mm-hmm. on them. Yeah, it's perfect. And they, they usually give a little bit more detail to KO um, as far as like uh, having like fully detailed hands most of the time because he's smaller and like takes up less real estate. But like most yeah. of the supporting characters are drawn very simplistically. Um, but the, I think you mentioned doing this with Gar. They play a lot with their facial expressions and like use that as their main mm-hmm. tool of of showing like uh not just your standard emotions but also um three face yeah <laughs> i really like <laughs> um and uh also ko isn't wearing shoes at any point i thought that was very funny um i i didn't even notice that yeah he, he's never he has like shoes. leg warmers he has leg warmer. on ankle the, warmers. that was that was the one thing that i didn't really like about uh the character design is that like the leg warmers are pink yeah while everything else is blue and red yeah and it's like just just match it but whatever and they they even don't change the color between his skin tone and um the leg warmer sometimes like they just let it sort of blend together (laughs) (laughs) Uh, sure which i think is fine um yeah it's fine it's fine like at at the end of the day you only have 11 seconds of credits on this so it's not like they had a huge team working on this shit right um i do want to call it i really like the line quality of some of the like um more like cartoony things that they do so they have they have really really clean line work for most things um this looks like it's like clearly drawn and and all done digitally like it has some of that like oh yeah um uh hundred percent they're just using like a crayon line tool yes exactly for... um but yeah when they do any like cartoony action stuff so like you know action lines or um, when they have characters in the foreground, sometimes they'll switch to using this. It's like a little crayon line with some rough edges to it, and it really sets things apart from the um, from the backgrounds very quickly and very um, uh, inexpensively. I guess is a, is another way to put it. And they yeah. they do use it for um, backgrounds sometimes. Now that I'm going back and looking through it, actually quite often. I didn't realize that. I thought it was mostly. Oh. I think it's more of the color separation that splits yeah. up the backgrounds from the foregrounds. Yeah, you're the, right. Um, yeah, the colors are more muted in the background. Yeah, and the line, they do the, the classic thing of just making the line work a little bit thicker for the, the mm-hmm. foreground. Yeah. Um, I'm just like trying to find out when they switch back and forth between it being a sharper line, and I'm now realizing that they pretty much don't. It's all this sort of crayon line. Anyway, it looks really good. It just like, um, it looks like the kind of thing that can be made by just a couple people. Um, not doubting mm-hmm. that it's you know a tremendous amount of work, but you know, all right, yeah, manageable. and they're doing good work, and it's really good. Um, the color design is particularly quite good, and like their ability to stay on character theme while playing with the like 
moment like to on moment character designs. without being on model. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I wish I could send you this screenshot. Um, uh, <laughs> I just like opened up a random episode to scroll through some of the animation, and it's just like that a perfect example of all of these characters have been reduced to much more simplistic drawings for like <laughs> comedy or like a comedic moment to like really play up their expressions and their eyes are much bigger. And they do that oh, yeah. constantly. There's there some really weird looking um, like long shots. Yeah. Like wide shots where they're just extremely simplistic. Yeah. But it's like. Almost chibi. Yeah. Like I, I don't know that it pulls away from. It, it reminds me of that thing where people will take the um, screenshots from episodes of dragon ball z or dragon ball super mm. and just like it, go into one of the characters that's like way in the background that you wouldn't notice and just be <laughs> like look how shitty he looked and you're like yeah it doesn't it's matter like, yeah like is he's all the way in the background in fact it's good actually right um. like it's good that they didn't make everyone put in way too much effort for no effect yeah you really got to balance that stuff when you're working on on animation generally but um you know any show where you want to have longevity like this one where they're making a ton of episodes um, yeah i really it you know this is this is one of the later shows um made by um this group of people and it and it shows not only in the quality but in yeah these decisions to not burn each other out <laughs> yeah um, well i think you also like you save quite a bit by having it be this uh this sitcom style yeah. where the lion's share of the of the shots are just inside of the bodega so it's all the same yeah you can reuse backgrounds and then it's just like a parking lot uh-huh uh-huh I'm also looking at uh, this so screenshot then... and it says in stock up dog. <laughs> I think <Nice>. that's cute. <laughs> anyway. Episode five. Yeah. Uh, this is introduces my personal favorite villain that they had in this show. Uh, Jethro. <laughs> just, just a shitty looking robot. He's just a big just tank looking. Forward. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which is where we stole the intro from. Mm -hmm. Is uh, the end of this episode. Is the end of that episode. Yeah. Because um, like the theme around this episode is that um, Jethro is big and scary and, and like very literally powerful. And then he can like drive over anything and, and crush everything. And K.O. is sort of looking at that and being like, this is what power looks like. And there is like but also like kind of power yeah like there's this simplicity of it uh -huh. where that's the mission is just to go run over the bodega but it doesn't really have proper defenses right yeah there's so nothing else going on kick there the shit out of all of them yeah it's like hey if you aren't paying attention this thing will just run over all your stuff <laughs> and it's like um yeah, it it uh, the the moral of this one felt to me like it was like I don't know, don't you know, a try don't try to achieve your goals at the expense of everything else. 
and don't think that you know um balance is important is like basically the the simplified takeaway yeah well and don't like simplicity in itself and being single-minded is just is exploitable. not not a great way to be and yes is exploitable yeah uh, they also did one of my favorite bits which is just jumping to a character who is playing with two non-toy objects <laughs> while they're at work what moment is that they jump over to Rad, uh-huh. and he has two soda cans, <laughs> and he's just smashing them into each other and be like, boom, boom, pow, pow, pow. Now kiss. <laughs> like, I remember that now. Um, it, which it's, anybody it's who's very much retail. the, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you You get so bored and just shit comes up. One of my favorite things when I when I worked, I used to work at Kmart. Oh and man. they had like full staff come in on New Year's Day and fucking no one came in. Like there were no customers. Uh so we spent a lot of the time just like rolling uh big rolls of tape uh-huh. back and forth to one another. <laughs> because there's just nothing to do that's very endearing (laughs) yeah very accurate oh god that job was so dumb like they gave us so much stupid shit to do they had us try at one point they would have sales and they would have people go out with big signs for the sales Uh uh-huh and they had us go out in elf costumes during a fucking blizzard. Oh my god. Oh my god. But like, well, that was one thing. And then another thing that they did was sent us from uh, Fort Atkinson to Whitewater, which is like a college town that's maybe 20 minutes away. Okay. Had us drive our own cars over to there so that we could put put pamphlets on cars. What the fuck? Yeah, so we just, like, threw all the pamphlets away at Taco Bell, got Taco <laughs> Bell, went, went to a friend's place, smoked weed, played video games, went back to work, like, three hours later. I see that you have chosen the um, uh, contractor methodology. Yes. The <laughs> yes. Contracted well, carpenter it- methodology of problem solving. It's just such a stupid thing to try to do (laughs) to be like, yeah, these people, all these college kids, because they had a Walmart right there. And it's no way just just a better place to go than a Kmart. Everywhere's Uh. better to go than a Kmart. In my college town, we had a Kmart that went out of business and reopened three times in the in the (laughs) one year that I lived there. Well, and at this point, I don't think Kmart even exists because Kmart got. There's like one, right? Is there? I think there's like one. Kmart got bought by Sears Uh and then Sears went out of business because Kmart got bought by Sears while I was working there. Kmart. And we were like, oh, well, maybe they'll get like classier stuff. I have to imagine. 
There's 12 remaining. Wow. Wow. Well, have you heard about the um the Minnesota Kmart, the Minneapolis Kmart? No. It is referred to by um everybody who lives here as that fucking Kmart. Um they <laughs> built it in the middle of um a like major road called Nicolet Avenue that like runs north to south through the, you know, majority of the city and it is like the majority of the central part of the city and is like one of the the few streets that's like known for having um a bunch of restaurants and is like um you know, a very like lifeblood part of the the city and yeah and then there's just a kmart there for is, no reason it is split north to south directly in the middle by a fucking kmart and finally after 20 years or something the city is finally going to be tearing down that fucking Kmart and reconnecting the two, the two streets. And it is <laughs> astonishing. The celebration when people found out yeah, that that was finally like, getting get torn it. down. Get um, it out of here. It's funny. It actually became a, and still is a post office right now um, because <laughs> the other the local post office in that area um burned down <laughs> wow was uh i believe was one of the buildings that was um because like during the um the the george floyd uprising and there was mm -hmm. a lot of um like uh it was a, a a complicated time and there's a mix of people who were you know um, doing what I would like to call uh, legitimate looting. And then there was also a good amount of, um, like, uh, outside aggressors who were um, targeting yeah. more, like, uh, like government the guy institutions. Who the yeah. And all that. Yeah. yeah the, um, the AutoZone guy, the umbrella yeah, guy. Yeah. The guy who I, I forget if they found out or if. I know they found out who he was. I forget if he was just like a proud boy or if he was actually a cop. He's a but... white supremacist. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and I know that's not, but like um was identified as yeah, a uh let's see here. They oh, they identified him back to a Stillwater incident with Aryan Brotherhood and then a um another God. um group of white supremacists who are harassing a Muslim woman. Damn. Apparently the same well, guy. Well, there we go. Anyway, so all of that happens and one of the things that happened is that the post office got burned down, which is like it's um a a perfect example of um the kind of thing that people who actually live in that community would not target as a uh because they use that the, yeah you know i mean as a as the a post office utility. post offices and libraries are the one are the two best things that our government does yes exactly not not even fucking close and so there's no way but anyway they set up a temporary post office in this kmart and they're working on building a new one um, but and it, now it's going to get smashed by, I assume, a Jethro. giant robot, the <laughs> likes of Mega Jethro, who shows up later on in this episode. Uh, they get a much bigger version of Jethro that they can't just smash directly. Yeah. And so 
they have to uh, climb inside the Jethro. Through the eyes. Yeah. Through the pupils, the which is... <laughs> yeah. Also, um, God, Rat's fingers get crushed. And oh, it's, I hated seeing that. It's, it's so, so graphic. Because <laughs> his normal skin tone is like a, a nice deep purple. And you get this yeah. like red mangled. <laughs> it's, it's awful. It's horrible yeah. to look at. They also like drew veins on his hand and stuff like that. Uh, it was bad to look at, but it's all, it's very brief. <laughs> yes. Um. So they get inside of Jethro and they find that controlling him is just a single yeah, lever. It's just a switch. <laughs> and they put him in reverse. It makes the backing noise. It backs into uh, Boxman's the, factory. Yeah, Boxman's factory. Great. It's so great. Uh, it's very good. Okay, what, what are we at for time? Okay, we should probably speed run this last episode. Yeah, uh, episode six, um, KO gets a glitched card that says that he's level 100. Everyone thinks he's level 100. Yep. Turns out he's not level 100. And, uh, yeah, power levels are less important. It, it's that classic, like, character gets a big head over something that's false. Yeah, and then learns that it's false uh, because Boxman is like, I've been saving this big-ass robot um, uh, for the purposes of this show um, to fight a level 100. And um, uh, they also do the thing where it's like, uh, so everybody's initially like very excited about him being level 100 and wants to be his friend and wants to get his autograph. And then that fame is fleeting when he, he realizes that as soon as it's challenged that um, he cannot, he's not actually level 100, obviously. Right. Um, but then everybody is like, but together and they add up all of their power levels and it's exactly 100. And they're like, together we'll and be a big bicep. And um, like ants, they cling to each other to form a, a big punching arm. Mm-hmm. And then Which, yeah, kind of robot. Yep, good moral to the story. Good, like, yeah, action. I I didn't really write that much down for this episode. It was pretty simple. Felt it was, yeah. Well, and it it was a little bit light on, uh, jokes. Yeah. I like but... the um, the exploration of the PAL system. The um the the power system generally and the fact that everybody sort of like gets these cards and you can either get mm -hmm. random ones like a booster pack or you can get your own card by scanning your retina in and it will like accumulate it's like the um uh the bingo book the naruto uh i haven't watched enough naruto to actually uh get that reference <laughs> um all of the the like various villages rate like keep track of um the exploits of their ninjas of the or specifically everybody keeps track of everybody else and then um publishes exposés on everybody else including what they think their power levels are okay and then oh there's another there's a character early on in the show um kabuto i think that's his name that keeps track of um that's a pokemon uh, you're just wrong i think both can be true that's one of the pokemon that you get from a fossil um, it's also the name of the character. I was right. Get fucked. Wow. I'm gonna have to censor this episode in case any kids watch it. <laughs> um, Kabuto. I mean, I... we have the explicit tag. Yeah, but 
we should have we should set this thing. Um Kabuto is one of the characters that I really should wanted we? to look like. Or like I really like the aesthetic of. Uh and um then you find out like almost immediately, spoilers for Naruto, that um he's he doesn't look like that and is actually just a bad guy wearing somebody else's face. And uh that broke my heart when I was a kid. Oh, sure. All right. No, I looked up pictures of him. Yeah. He get crackly face. Yeah. Needs to moisturize. Needs to moisturize. Hey, everybody. The rating that I give this, um, that I give OKKO okay is that you should moisturize. You moisturize. That's the moral of our show, yeah. really, is that you should, uh, you should moisturize. That's it. Yep. The end. Oh, and it's really good. Watch it. Yeah. With your yeah. kids and if you have kids. I, yeah, I like it. Kids kids would enjoy it. This is I hope. One of the better shows that know. I've seen for children. There's a in Sonic a episode. Love you, Sonic. Bye. Thanks so much for listening, y'all. And big thanks to the composer of our theme, Miles Morkery, and to Bernadette Meeker, the artist for our thumbnail. We're on Pod on Twitter.com. Our website is ontoos.club. You're the best. Good night. Good night.